Hello, I am Bob Mooney. I am a Bible teacher in the local body of Christ, and I have been an interim pastor of a home church for a number of years. I hope you find these Bible lessons a blessing and of practical value. Well, this is our first lesson in studying 1 John. And first of all, I want to give an overview of what the study of 1 John will be and some of what I hope we will receive from the study. I feel that it is important for us to look at biblical studies in light of their historical significance. That is, what was going on historically during the time of the original writing and why the book was written and who it was written for. Then we can apply what we learn to our current situations. After all, the truths that were expressed when this book was written are just as important and meaningful today, and none more so than in 1 John. John is often called the Apostle of Love, and rightfully so. But that doesn't mean that what he said wasn't hard-hitting at times. John doesn't mix words, and I doubt very seriously that he would be considered politically correct in today's culture. And that's a good thing. As our culture, both worldly and sadly, our Christian culture to some extent, erodes away at the moral fiber of godly biblical standards. John is a shining light in a dark world. Most of the scriptures I will use will be from the NIV unless otherwise noted. This will be a verse-by-verse study of 1 John, and I will use several of my favorite commentaries, as well as some of what I've learned in my class at Christian Life School of Theology from Professor Bond. I sincerely hope you are blessed by this study, as I was while putting this together. I feel it is only fair to let you know up front that this will be a fairly long study, probably consisting of at least 20 or more lessons. But I also feel that it will be well worth the investment of your time. Well, let's get started. Let's look at the author, the date, and the purpose. As I said earlier, we will look first at this book in the light of its history and the history surrounding the time of the writing, and we will weave that in and out throughout this study. The author of Second and Third John refers to himself as Elder, but doesn't mention his own name. Only Hebrews and 1 John begin without any introductory greeting. Styles and vocabulary clearly indicate to most commentators it was written by the author of the Gospel of John. And early church fathers at the end of the first century and in the second century give credit to John, the son of Zebedee. John was the last apostle alive who knew Jesus personally in the flesh. He was also the only one of the original apostles to die a natural death. All others were martyred, except for Judas. The date of this writing was probably written in the mid-90s A.D., some 60 years after the resurrection. John was probably 18 to 20 years old when he was a disciple. Tradition has John living in Ephesus, that is, Western modern Turkey today, when he wrote these letters. The letters of John were obviously a product of a mature man of many spiritual experiences. This and the circumstances for writing confirm it was written in the mid 
90s. Many commentators believe the letters of John were his last writing chronologically, even after Revelation. Well, what was the purpose for John writing this letter? Today, when we write letters, we write it to whom? The RE, the reason, the purpose, especially in the today's modern email. But in New Testament literature, they did not put the purpose of the letter at the beginning, but at the end. The purpose of the Gospel of John is in John 20, verses 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote the Gospel of John that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. The purpose of John's letters is written in 1 John 5.13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So John wrote his gospel so that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And he wrote the epistle that we may know that we have eternal life. You see, it is possible to believe and not know. It is possible to believe but not be absolutely certain. A believer who is uncertain is useless to God. He's still loved by him, but not able to be used by him. Now we come to one of the main reasons this book was written. There were false teachers who were contemporaries of John who taught on an intellectual level that attracted the quote-unquote intellectuals in the church. One of these was a man named Serenthus, and Serenthus was more than likely the leader of these intellectuals who probably at one time or another belonged to the church at Ephesus. He caused a split in the local church. He denied that Jesus came in the flesh and taught that Jesus was not the Son of God. He believed and taught that Jesus was the Messiah only upon baptism, and it ended at his resurrection. So John's main purpose in this letter was to restate the gospel so the church would know the word of truth. The new teaching of Serenthus also brought, quote-unquote, a new morality. The question to be asked of all teaching is not, is it new, but is it true? And F.F. Bruce writes in his commentaries on the first John, the Christians who remained in their fe former fellowship were hard hit and shaken by the secession of these others and needed to be reassured. In this study, we will look at four tests that John lays out in his letter. These tests will determine if we are true Christians. Today, we'll look at the first test, the historical test. Is our faith based on fact or feeling? The world is full of religious books, the Koran, the Book of Mormon, the Vedas, which is the Hindu book of rituals and ceremonies, and the list goes on. The Bible is a book of history. John's message consists of a historical revelation verified by the three senses, hearing, sight, and touch. And we see this in 1 John 1.1. 1, 1. 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, in which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Dr. Stott, in his commentary on the letters of John, writes, His message is supremely concerned with the historical, audible, visible, tangible manifestation of the eternal. John is saying as he opens his letter, My faith is based on facts, upon the events of history, especially the events of Jesus. As we will see in the coming weeks, John the Elder, the Apostle of Love, reassures the church, those who believed in the name of the Son of God, that they may know they have eternal life. He writes as a man who not only knows he knows, but as a man who loves the people of God and wants them to be reassured they have eternal life too, because he has heard, seen, and touched the Son himself. He wants their faith to be based on facts, not feelings. He wants their faith to be based on the firm foundation of the truth of the gospel. The Secret Service is trained to spot counterfeit money, not by studying the counterfeit, but by studying and knowing the real thing. Then they can spot the false. It is the same way in the church. We must study the word of truth, and by knowing it, we can spot the false. My wife and I have invested, although limitedly, in our retirement and in our home and in our family. We never really advanced in a career because God led otherwise. It is humbling at my age to be the low man on the totem pole, so to speak, for at least the third or fourth time in my life. Our blue-collar jobs have caused concern over the years in our families, but we invested in the eternal. We have seen, heard, and touched the kingdom of God so much that we know that we have eternal life. And let me take a minute to say that eternal life is not just something we look forward to in the next life. It is that. But eternal life starts the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We can and should be experiencing eternal life now. John's letters were written in a time of new revelations from God as his church was being built on the firm, solid foundation of Jesus Christ. John wants his church to be sure that, he, that they invest correctly in eternal life. We must learn to test what we hear, both directly from God as well as in the church. Today, as well as in ancient times, we must learn to guard against false doctrines that would try and steal from us our eternal life in Christ. So as we study First John, we will learn many truths along the way. We will learn godly standards, tests, if you will, to be sure our faith is based on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. We will advance the kingdom of God in our own lives and those around us. My hope and prayer is that you will experience eternal life now, providing you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope you have been blessed by this message. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at rmooney at carolina.rr.com. And thank you for listening.